This is Library Nerds with Words, the podcast that gives you the word on all the cool, nerdy happenings at Peter White Public Library and the library universe beyond. From books and concerts to search engines and story times, the library nerds are in and ready to show you that being a nerd can be cool. Get ready, get set, get nerdy. Welcome back to Library Nerds with Words, the podcast that gives you the latest word on all the cool things happening at Peter White Public Library and the Library Universe Beyond from the people who know it best, library nerds. I'm Marty Ackett, Adult Programming Coordinator for Peter White Public Library, and joining me today in the Nerd Multiplex are everyone's two favorite movie nerds, Amanda Pierce from the Teen Zone and Ben Sargent from Cataloging. Welcome back to the podcast, Amanda and Ben. I'm so excited to be talking about movies with you again. Yeah, this one took a little bit to get here, though. Yeah, yeah, we, it had been delayed. We did like a bonus one, right? And so yeah. we had to do the hundredth, the hundred year, yeah, yeah. hundredth episode. We the, these movies we picked when we before recorded Christmas. before Christmas. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> it's been, you know, this has been off delayed. So okay, so four months later. So today's conversation might be a little contentious, a little bit. Our last movie roundtable is all about 100-year-old movies for the podcast 100th episode. Today's episode is all about screen adaptations of stage plays from Edward Albee to William Shakespeare. We're going to be talking about quite a few Academy Award-winning performances as well. Elizabeth Taylor, Henry Fonda, and Ben's favorite, Catherine Hepburn. (laughs) But before we start hearing the loons, we are here to play (laughs) another round of Word on the Nerd, the game where I find out a little bit more about my guest nerds. You both know how this goes. I'm going to ask you three library nerd questions about yourselves, and you have to answer them for the listeners. So, Amanda and Ben, are you ready to play Word on the Nerd? This is going to be a little game of Would You Rather. I'm going to ask you three Would You Rather questions, and you have to truthfully answer them for the listeners. And all of these questions today have to do with some of Ben's favorite things. What? <laughs> you didn't look at it. No, I never. I read so, them real quick. I never look at these because I want them cold. Oh, like I want to. I want you to get my honest reaction. I love these. I'm telling you. So, so here we go. Here's your first question. Would you rather listen to Katherine Hepburn sing Mariah Carey's Fantasy oh or eat camel's milk cheese? <laughs> whoa, 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 Marty. Whoa. Yeah, I, so, <laughs> so, are we going to let him answer this yeah. one first? Yes. <laughs> Mm. He's red faced, everybody. It's bad. It, I, this is a this is the toughest one. <laughs> I'm afraid now. I don't know. You've got two more to go here. Oh, and they're both entertaining. <laughs> How much of the cheese? You have to eat a good portion of his cheese. Like a, like three, four pieces. Like if it was on a board, I would have it, to It's know. on a board, you're gonna have to eat the camel's milk cheese. I'd rather eat the cheese. You'd rather eat the cheese. I can't have that. Mariah Carey's good name for smirks. <laughs> All right. So Ben is going with the cheese. Oh, the cheese? I'll do the cheese. That sounds really like really good cheese. cheese. Yeah. yeah. This question was not for you guys. No, it wasn't. But the rest of them aren't for us either. So. 
Okay. I like the next one. Okay, the questions get a little harder from here, Ben. Second harder? So, yes, second uh-huh. question. Would you rather have to watch Baz Luhrmann's Elvis every day for a year or have to watch Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet every day for a year? Oh. I'll take Romeo and Juliet. I actually really enjoy that movie. I, I like that movie. And actually, even though Tom Hanks is terrible in Elvis, I would still watch Elvis for a year, too. I think I'd say Romeo and Juliet. Okay. You, you got John Leguizamo as Tybalt. Like, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I just, I, I, I couldn't see, like, really whack Tom Hanks every day for a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's bad. Okay. All right. So you're going with Romeo and Juliet every day for a year. Yeah. I'm going to go with Elvis. Well, see, so. Romeo and Juliet's got a great soundtrack, though. It does. It does. And, it, you know, it, I think, I think you know, cinematically, it's kind of interesting to watch what he does in that movie. So, all right, here's your last question, Ben. Are you ready for this? I guess so. <laughs> um, it has Catherine Hepburn in it again. Okay, <laughs> last question. Would you rather see Catherine Hepburn in the stage musical Cats? Oh. Or see Catherine Hepburn in the stage musical version of On Golden Pond? Okay, On Golden Pond. I... Okay, you're going to go with On Golden Pond? She's on stage doing the play. Performing the play, but it's a musical. They've added musical numbers to <laughs> it. Musical numbers. I'll do on Golden Pond. On Golden Pond. Okay. You know, there's one particular number I have envisioned that's called The Loons. Oh, the my loons. God. So. It sounds like it's going to be like Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to do, I actually, I would do on Golden Pond a musical. You can't catch this. We've been through it. That's the wackest. So. <laughs> But Catherine Hepburn singing Memory from Cats. Come on. No. <laughs> All right. This has been one of my favorites. Yeah, I can tell. I love this. Um, okay, well, that's the end of this Ben's Favorite Things edition of Word on the Nerd with Ben from Cataloging and Amanda from the Teen Zone here at Peter White Public Library. And now the time has come. We need to start talking about plays that have been adapted for the silver screen. And we have the good, the bad, and the ugly, although we may not always agree on which one is which. So, let's get into... The Word. So, Ben and Amanda, let's talk stage and screen. So, how are we going to do this? Well, do you... I feel like we often will just go in chronological Chronological order, order. Mm -hmm. which is cool with me mm-hmm. maybe first we can just give our like general thoughts like so this was my idea mm-hmm. for the podcast yep partly because we had done musicals and i thought like well we could do stage plays mm-hmm. and i knew there were some movies like a lot of these movies have just some of the best acting like you'll ever see mm-hmm. you know and it's they're based on plays so yeah. there's like there's a lot of words and mm-hmm. a lot of great you know performances um and I liked them all, except there's one I didn't like. Uh, <laughs> what did you guys think? I, had, had you seen... I've you haven't seen, seen most of these before, right? I saw On Golden Pond, and I've seen Ma Rainey. What were the other ones? We did Henry the Fifth. We did On Golden Pond, Twelve Angry Men, Who's Afraid We're Too Little, Madness of King George, Henry the Fifth, Ma Rainey, and Doubt. Yeah, so I saw three of them. I have to say that the only one that I have not seen is Ma Rainey's Black Body. The most recent one, yeah. 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 So that, Which was my pick. 
Yeah. I really enjoyed it. You, you love that one? Yeah, well, we, we were talking because we'd wanted to do an August Wilson. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, it was like fences are this. I prefer this to fences. Mm-hmm. No, fences. I mean, Viola both, Davis is both great. Well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Right. I had seen all of them. All right. You had seen every single one of these already? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you know, why don't we go with, let's all pick our favorites out of all three of these, and then we'll start that way. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Let's. Marty, you just you I just get your takes off. <laughs> Marty's going to talk about On Golden Pond right yes. now. Tell us why you like it. Just lay it off. I will say this. Okay, so On Golden Pond, I love this movie, and um, I love Catherine Hepburn. I love Henry Fonda. I've loved Catherine Hepburn my whole life as an actress. Um, uh, so um, but. Um, and I do realize this, that Henry, this is not Henry Fonda's greatest performance ever. It was his last performance. It was his, it was his last performance. It's not her greatest performance either. either. Yeah. But, you know, Ben and I have also gone through the list of who was up against Henry Fonda. Yeah, just for Catherine people listening, Hepburn. they both, won, they won lead actor and lead actress. Right. 1981. And it was not a strong year for any of the categories. No, it, either was, of those really, it was one of the weaker years. Right. And so I think that everybody knew that this was probably going to be the last time that Henry Fonda was going to be nominated. Mm-hmm. And after an entire lifetime of really, really fantastic performances, mm-hmm. they they gave it to him because of that. It was like, it was like, here's your career. It's like a career Oscar. Right. Because it happens. It's not that. Right. That happens. So in some ways, him holding that Oscar, uh, you know, for On Golden Pond is like him holding the Oscar for 12 Angry Men, you know, or or the Grapes of Wrath or something like that, you know, or My Darling Clementine. even. So many. I mean, he. Yeah. So I. Yeah. And and Catherine Hepburn winning, well, you know, it was going to be her last time too. We we knew that as well. That was her fourth best actor. She's actress. got the most acting Oscars ever. She's got four. No one else has more than three. And it's just like Although so I think Frances McDormand's gonna give her a run she's for the got money. three. Yeah. So she'll, she could pick up another one. Mm-hmm. Although they might just be like, You're good. Like <laughs> it, she'd have to really kill it. Know? Well, she would, but I mean, honestly, has three. I mean, right. Well, two, but two of them are best actress. One does support supporting actress. Kramer, but sure. just no one has four acting Oscars, regard like at all. So on Golden Pond, the reason that I love this movie, one, it was my mother's favorite movie. I mean, she well, that makes loved a huge this movie. Nostalgia is a huge factor here. Also, this might sound terrible, but I see. Uh, the the relationship between uh, Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn in this movie, Ethel and Norman Thayer, mm-hmm. sounds like I'm lifting. I mm-hmm. love that line, but I I also see my mom and dad in this. See, part I a think great deal. When I was watching this, mm-hmm. and I'd seen this years ago, mm-hmm. and when we, and I told Marty like I, I think the movie's trash. <laughs> When we said we're gonna do this podcast, mm-hmm. you were like, "Yes," and you're gonna watch on Golden Pond. Mm-hmm. And I told you, I'm like, "It's been years since I've seen it. I'm going to reevaluate it." Mm-hmm. But I just, I think it's bad. Like, <laughs> so Jane Fonda bought the rights to this play, mm-hmm. and it, this was all like public. Mm-hmm. Like, she bought this to cast her dad in it, mm-hmm. so he could win an Oscar. 
that was the plan from the start. Right. And everyone knew this. Like, this wasn't like a secret. Like, this was out. And then she cast herself, like, I'm going to play the daughter, you know, and this will be like, and people knew, like, this is going to be like his last one. Right. right. Yeah. Um. So, especially like the first part of the film, like, they're just yelling their lines at each other. Like, Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda. They're barely acting anymore. And Catherine <laughs> Hepburn always kind of had that style where she was like yelling at people I mean, and, you know she had like work, though because of the fact that, that they were such like they were old, older and but i didn't feel like it was part of the prof- i seriously it was well you know the story about the hat that he wore through the whole thing mm-hmm. oh tell me about that. um before the before they shot their first scene um um the hat that he wears henry Fonda wears through that whole thing Catherine hepburn gave it to him it was spencer tracy's hat and so she gave him on the first day of filming, she said, here, I want you to have this. This was Spencer's hat and I want you to wear this. And so, so there you go. You know, well, look, I love the hat. That's not the problem. Um, Tracy's not the problem. Mm-hmm. Tracy's one of the, one of the greatest. One of the goats. Um, I just think like, it's not, I, I don't like anything about it. I think performances are really bad. And I know they're really old, but like, I, they're just yelling their lines at each other. Then when Jane Fonda comes in later in the movie, or Dabney Coleman, like, they're act, they're acting like normal. They're almost like in a different movie. It's crazy if you watch it. Like, I hate this. I hate the score. I think it's like it sounded like a TV. This whole thing feels like a made-for-TV movie. Like some, time movie. Like it's just it feels like low quality. Like mm-hmm. I don't like the camera work. I. Like all the inner cuts with the wildlife are like they're just <laughs> B-roll, and like we we had talked about this, like the loons, like the loons are like B-roll loons. They, they can't. I will say that that when you see those loons out there, I mean the 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 footage is so strangely different from that's the what I'm saying. The movie, because yeah. it was because they didn't shoot it there. Mm-hmm. Probably like it was stock footage of loons. Probably mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. Like the movie feels kind of cheap. Like, it doesn't feel like a movie, like an Oscar contending movie. If this movie just had some, if the two old people weren't Catherine Hepburn or Henry Fonda, no one would like this movie. Mm. And, it, and even if the performances were so good, I'm just saying it was, you know, it's your mom's favorite movie. It was a big deal that they won the Oscars. Like, yeah. I could see why. And my like, dad, I mean, my dad in some ways looked a lot like Henry Fonda. So you, so there's, there's this a lot huge. of, of course, and I would never say, but like, yeah. For me and Manda, I don't. What did you think? I'm, I'm I mean, just so it's no, you're fine. Um, this was my mom's favorite movie mm-hmm. growing up. Um, <laughs> just, I remember. Hold so, on, quickly. My parents hate this movie. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right. No, so my mom loved this movie so much that when she had me, my name was almost Chelsea. Oh boy. Um, it took her four kids to get a Chelsea. Yeah, I was like, you have a Chelsea. Yeah, there is. There took four. Um, <laughs> um but no, I. I remember watching it once or twice growing up when I was little, mm-hmm. and I remember my mom. We had the VHS tape, of yep. course, and um, but that was like the first time watching it. And I, I want loons are beautiful birds. I hate the mofos. They wake <laughs> you up at five a.m. screaming that weird call. Please don't shut up. And I know Abby loves them, and I have friends that love them, and they're beautiful. But oh my god, they're so loud. <laughs> well, actually, so like when you when she's doing the loon call, I was like, oh my gosh, why, why? I, and then the whole like this dysfunctional relationship with the father daughter really bothered me. Mm-hmm. And then well, all I of a sudden they're like, "We're going to Europe." 
here is your step-grandson. They, I'm just, like, they just dumped the kid off. They kid to the front They needed him for these old people. Here, keep him for the summer. We're going to go off and get married. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Which is, which is weird and, like, really, and that's another thing, too. Like, the movie is boring. Like, nothing happens. And then the mailman pining after her. Yeah, but it's just, like, they get the kid and, like, it's so predictable what's going to happen. They catch a fish. <laughs> they give the fish back. They give Walter. Come on. And they crash the boat. They, they crash the they boat. Crash the boat. And then, like, the kid goes back, like, and he, we talked about this before, but, like, that, like, death scene or whatever happens to him at the end is so bad. Like, he has a heart attack. He's, he, he, Henry don't have the chops to pull that off anymore. Mm. So he's just like, ugh. And then she gives him nitroglycerin. He's seemingly fine, so they're going to stroll down to see the loons one last mm. time. Except... Does he die? It's not even clear. And it's I've open like open ended, and I think it's supposed to be open ended. Yeah, but like, if he had a heart attack, he then would not be. They just walked out. This is stupid. Like, <laughs> okay, come on. There's. I I know you're. You don't like this scene either, but it's my awful. my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, is where is where he Henry Fonda uh, Catherine Hepburn sends him out with a bucket to get strawberries and. And he gets lost in the woods because his memory is gone. And then he comes back and they have this interaction with the mailman. But after the mailman leaves, there's this moment between Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda where he explains what happened. And I love the line. And you hate it, probably. Oh, the speech? The speech where she says, you're my knight in shining armor. It's so, I love, it's so cheesy and cringe. Like I, I don't like, think it's cringe. I think Marty, that, that no, they pull it off. They pull that they off. They do not pull it off. Yes, they do. Normal old people do not talk like this to each other. No, Just, but he was a he was a, a college professor, an English professor. Th- okay, there's another reason why I love this <laughs> oh movie, <my> too. Marty. <laughs> You can see, like, man. <laughs> this is Marty's favorite movie of the podcast. We'll give I, it to him. I, I, I will. Is, it is. Like, there's I, all these things I that, love, like, you I, know. I that, love that moment where where she's she he's like realizing that he's he's not what he was, and there's not very few moments where he realizes that in the movie, and this is it, where he realizes that he is not who he used to be. And his memory is going, and he shows this kind of terrified person. And to have someone there, I mean, her, his, the wife, say that to him, you know, I, I think I, I find that moment really moving in the movie. You might see cheese. I, see. I think it's so cheesy. This is my main problem with the movie. And like, all, I understand you love this movie. You've got all these like things that like make the, you know. Mm-hmm. That, like, I don't have. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to judge it as a film. Yeah. And, like, it's the whole thing, it just feels like a contrivance. Mm. Like, her buying the rights over to get an Oscar, and then I'm going to play, you know, the daughter in the movie. And then just, like, it's not good. It's not well made. <laughs> like, they can't even shoot the loons on location. <laughs> like, the the soundtrack sounds like Little House on the Prairie. Like, it I is really so... like the soundtrack. No, it's bad. Like, it's... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's a poorly made movie. I'm sorry. No, would you watch it as a stage stage oh, yeah. production? Though? Yeah. I, I would be interested to actually, actually see it on stage. I will tell it. you this. They did a version on TV um, a few years ago. James Earl Jones played um, uh, Norman. That sounds awesome. You yeah. know what I mean? And I can't remember who played, uh, who that played opposite. I just feel like 
I just feel like the performances weren't good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, yeah, they can say, well, it's Henry Fonda and he's a great actor and he's really old, but he's playing a really old guy. So that's not how it works. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I just feel like maybe five years, like, so, if you made this movie, like, in 1975, 70, like... So here's how we're going to rate these movies, this oh, podcast. Like, out of how many loons? Five loons, okay? <laughs> One loon being, like, the absolute worst. I hope the loon is dead and floating in the water. Five loons being... Top listen loon. to how beautiful this is. Okay. Well, this movie's, like, one loon out of five. <laughs> I'm going to give it... Because I think that there are movies, there are definitely movies that are better than this. And I know that there's a huge nostalgia factor for me with this movie. I'm going to give it three loons. That's fair. Thank you. That is fair, Marty. <laughs> I mean, man, I, how many loons? Yeah. I'll give it two loons. Two oh, loons. Okay. That's generous. Right. So I just looked it up. Yeah. He was um, Leslie Uggum. Oh, Leslie Uggum has played Ethel, Ethel. in the movie. Yeah. Um, Linda Powell played Chelsea. Hmm. Peter Francis James played the fiance. Okay. Um, but I saw that one, and um, uh, James Earl Jones is really, really good in that yeah. movie. So it's on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, there you go. Okay, I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> so and so, who's 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 the next favorite? Who's Amanda, you go. Okay. It was Chadwick Boseman's last. um, So good. Everybody thought he was going to win. That was was whack. (laughs) Um, Um, I really liked how they did it. And they used just the, it felt like you were watching a show. mm -hmm. Because it was just the two rooms. They were going back and forth. It was a small, intimate cast. Well, and that's one of the things that it's really hard. Really bad uh, silver screen adaptations of stage plays, I think, don't move past the right. the uh, the uh, and I think stage. on Golden Pond there was so much mm-hmm. with the scenery like they were here and they were there mm-hmm. they didn't keep it condensed well they're really just kind of like in different parts of the yeah. house and outside mm-hmm. yeah but like that's the thing it it's all dependent on like what it it, it all depends on what the movie is because Twelve mm-hmm. Angry Men the whole thing is that one room mm-hmm. except at the very end when. Yeah, but like, and this movie is like kind of two rooms. Two rooms. You got the beginning with the car, and they Mm -hmm. all come in, and then you have the two rooms going back and forth. And Viola Davis was amazing Mm -hmm. in it. The Mm -hmm. costuming was amazing. I just music is great. Music was great. I loved it. David and I, I didn't get to rewatch it, so it's been a while. But Mm -hmm. David and I watched it when it first came out on. Mm -hmm. We just. I remember I, enjoyed it I so watched this when I dropped it on Netflix, and this was during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I just was like, there ain't no way Chadwick is losing. This is, <laughs> this is, clear, this is his best performance of mm-hmm. his career, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But also, and he had died before the movie came out. Yep. Right. So he passed he, away in like August, I think. Was no, earlier it was in the year? April. Because the movie came out at... Was it around Christmas the movie came out? Well, I think like November. December. Because yeah. it was for award season. Yeah. Right? Um, he passed, I thought it was, he passed away in August. I'm not right? Yeah. But like he passed away a few months before. August 28th. Yep. Okay. So, yep. So, so award season was just like a right about getting ready to launch yeah. and everything. And you remember how much it was shot? People didn't even know he was sick. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. he kept it all under wraps. And it's just great. Like, and 
not only is he so good, but every single person, yeah, the, the rest staff. of the band is so mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Um, Viola Davis is obviously amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. I mean, so good. Um, you know, it's just great. Like I love. Just my favorite scene, I think, is when Levy talks about what happens to, happened to his mom and his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but just he just owns the whole movie. Like, yeah, he does. You, you know. never got bored. Like that's one thing that you wanted to know what's happening. It was always moving. Like there was a lot of tension, especially yeah. at the start when they're like waiting for Ma Rainey, yeah, and they're there. just mm-hmm. like, and then once she gets there, there's like this conflict with Levy and her, and then Levy, Levy really with everybody, but then, like, you can understand, because Levy starts, like, telling you a little bit about, like, his past and why he's like this, and I'm gonna, you know... He wants to be like Ma Rainey. Mm-hmm. Just he does. I've got my songs, and then, of course, they steal his songs. At yeah. The end. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just... But it, it's it an moves, excellent movie. Yep. It moves, you never get bored, you just want to know what's gonna happen in that. It's long. Yeah. yeah. Which is and, what I really enjoy. And I love, I mean, I, you know... There are two characters, two actors in that movie that when they're on screen, you know, you just watch yep. them. And that's Chadwick Boseman. And then when Viola Davis comes in, and yeah, I mean, she's she just like... Such a big personality. Right. And she just comes in and says, I'm not doing this. I'm going to walk. And then the white people are like, wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and, and I mean, and, and yeah. And, and of course, August Wilson, one of the greatest playwrights of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And... um I think Denzel, this is part of a deal he did, I think, to do a, like eight or nine or ten August like movies based on August Wilson. Expenses mm-hmm. was the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. Keep making them. Yeah. Like, no, I'm, it, I'm here for it. Yeah, that was, that was like I said, my personal favorite of the bunch. Of, of all of them. And, and I mean, it was fan- I, I will. This is the one that I hadn't seen it. I watched it last night. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so it's fresh. It's very fresh. And I mean, it's just so much, I, I, so much of it is, I mean, I mean, it's almost flawless, I think. Yeah. Um, um, I, there's just, there's not a whole lot that's wrong with this movie. I love it. And I think, I remember my parents watched it and I think like, you know, my mom really liked it. And I remember my dad saying like, ah, oh, it's kind of. I think when you have these movies based on stage plays, like sometimes like, you know, this is only like in two rooms, really. That's not for everyone. No. Mm-hmm. You know, they really want things expanded. Um, so I think my dad's like, oh, it's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I if you like movies with like really good performances and like really great dialogue, that's it's, why we have got this category. Yeah. You know, so. It was, it was fantastic. It, it's fantastic. It's sort of like, I mean, you, you, I, I, when I was watching it last night, I sort of forgot that it was a stage play that was like put on the screen. Yeah. I totally forget it. And the the only other movie that I was like totally forgot about it, even though I'd seen this movie so many times before, is Twelve Angry Men with Henry Fonda. Yeah, that movie is just so. Because it moved, the the plot moved along at a pace mm-hmm. that like. I hate to say it, the scenery doesn't matter. You're more focused on the characters and what the outcomes are going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also a movie too where, and you know, where the movie takes place in the course of like a day or like mm-hmm. an afternoon. And that's mm-hmm. why it feels like it's clipping it's along. It's like real time. It's like, you know, yeah. it's not over course of days or years or any, Which is any really length nice. of time. It's mm-hmm. like an afternoon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great movie. Great movie, great performances. In fact, like I said, out of all the movie roundtables we've done, I think this one has the, some of the best 
best performances. Oh, yeah. yeah, and that's why I wanted it to, to do it as a category, because mm-hmm. I knew, like, we were going to, you know, there's so many to choose from. And we had made a, a long list, and there we left stuff off. So yeah. many good ones off. You know, so. like, we could do a part two easy, because we've got no David Mamet. You know, I know, and we should have done. Glenn Gary, Glenn Glenn Ross. Ross. Yeah. Um. So if we, we ever have not, do nothing part... absurdist on here either. No, we haven't. So there's but lots. Okay. Of... <laughs> so there's lots more. No waking for Goudeau. Come on. Come on, Ian McKellen and I know. Patrick Stewart. I know. Waiting for Goudeau. Come on. I I know. We've, I've watched it and I just. Or Steve Martin and Robin Williams in Waiting for Godot. Oh, I've not seen that one. Oh yeah, so good. Yeah. All right, so we gotta we gotta do the loons here. One to five loons, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Boy, four and a half. Loons. Yeah, I'm gonna go four and a half, five. I will go four loons on this one. I really like this one. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's there's two films on here that I would put above. Ma. I mean, there's just two that I think are like perfect. Mm-hmm. So I'll go my choice. Um, Twelve Angry Men. Mm-hmm. Basically, almost the reason why I wanted to do this subject is so we could talk, have a reason to talk about this movie. Mm-hmm. This is a movie I've seen so many times. Like, I watched, it was one of my dad's favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And this is like a real Henry. I mean, Henry Fonda is so good. But, like, I really love, like, ensemble cast. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is like that, too. But just where, like, you've got so many people. Um, so many. It's just, it's so amazing. I don't even know what to say, Marty. It, well, I mean, um, there's so many great, great performances in this. Everybody. Jack Klugman is Quincy. so... See, when I was a kid, we my dad loved the show Quincy. Mm-hmm. That was like a medical procedural. Quincy, um, Jack Klugman played a medical examiner. So, like, I think we used to watch reruns of that. Mm-hmm. This is like... 89, 90. Right? Mm-hmm. And then so he showed me this movie because he's like, Quincy's on this movie. And mm-hmm. it's like, young Quincy. Um, Jack Klugman, Jack Warden, Martin Balsam, Lee J. Cobb. Lee J. Cobb. Lee J. Cobb. Boy. So good. I mean, if anybody can go toe to toe with Henry Fonda, yeah. Lee J. Cobb is, I mean. But everybody is great. Mm-hmm. Everyone, there's no weak link. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their role to play. Mm-hmm. Um, just for people who have not seen this movie, this is basically um, it's a jury movie. It's twelve jurors. They've got a murder case. They're all stuck in a room. They're now. all stuck in a room. It's, it's hot. It's hot. hot. The yeah, and everybody wants to get out of there as quick so as they're possible. They're all like guilty, right? So they, the very start of the movie is like the judge is like, okay, give them instructions. Then they go in the room. Um, Martin Balsam is the foreman. And they must have elected him at the start of the trial, right? Because mm-hmm. they never they saw have, that. Yeah. Um, and he's he's like, all right, should we take a vote? And everyone, it's 11 guilty, one not guilty. The one holdout's Henry Fonda. Yep. And he's just like, you know, this is a capital case. This is someone's life on the line. Like, we should at least talk about it. And the people are like, hey, this is shut, you know, open and shut case. Like, They just want to be done. They want to be done, you know. Jack Warden, his character's got tickets to the game. Ball game yeah. um, Everybody's got something to do. There's so everyone's got some sort of baggage. There's just there's like they're racists, they're bigots, you know. So this is a Hispanic kid um, who they claim murdered his dad, and Henry Fonda is just like, let's just at least talk about it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. 
and they start talking. Mm -hmm. And then the more they talk, the more they think, well, you know, I mean, this doesn't add up, even though at the very beginning they thought it was open and shut. And just talking it through, like... When he broke out, like, the, well, this is the room, and then this is how many steps. How do you know? How would it take this long? He really makes them question everything. And then when he has the knife, Right, you know, where they're talking about. What about the murder knife? The, word of the murder, murder weapon. There's only one kind. It's so unique. And Henry Fonda's like, I was walking down the street and I bought this last night. And he's got an identical copy of the knife. Right. I, I love that part where they bring out the knife and then he just takes it out of his pocket and throws Jim, it down. Oh. And, like, and, you know, this is just one of, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Sidney mm-hmm. Lumet, the director, is so good. And one thing he did which I, this is like one of my favorite movie fun facts. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know, you may know this, but like, um, I won't know it. The set, the room, right? Mm-hmm. We were in, um, this was a set. And as the movie goes on, he slowly moves the wall in, like, a, like by an inch. Just, oh, by, just, yeah. Like an inch. You feel more, more claustrophobic. So the long, the longer the movie goes and the more heated it is, like, the the room actually is closing in on them and it's not perceptible unless you know but like right. it's just a feeling mm-hmm. you get but yeah he pushed the walls in a little at a time and i did know that i knew you yeah yeah, yeah i wouldn't <laughs> i love that fact it's yeah so, it's so, good. so good yeah i love sydney Lament, so um but yeah great movie and I love Jack Klugman because he's like he's so good. Yeah, because like, you usually think of Jack Klugman as Oscar Madison, like this big yeah. gregarious, you know, and he's like this really quiet for the first yeah. part of the movie. And he is, was the only one who had grew up grew, in the slums. Grew up in the slums like the kid. And he's just like he knew about knife fighting because mm-hmm. they talk about the stab wounds and they're like, well, you know, the kid, if he was good with the knife, he would never hold it like this. Right. And I just love that, you know. I've seen the movie like and Henry Fonda, probably such a. I mean, honestly, on Golden Pond is a career award. I mean, you see this. He got that because of movies like this, performances like this, right? And he had lots of them. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't just this movie. I mean, Mm -hmm. Henry Fonda is great in most things. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so good. All right, so we've got. Four more movies to do. Let's just talk about who's afraid of Gina Wolf. So well, we got a loon this. Oh, well, get ahead of myself. Yeah, five, five loons. I'll go four loons. I'll go four and a half loons on this one. Yeah, this is for me. Yeah, I'm watching this from my dad growing up, and just like how perfect it is. Like mm-hmm. the dialogue couldn't be better. The performances couldn't be better. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm reading in this movie, it's like literally nothing could be better. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's so good. So, so that's why I gotta give it max four. All right. All right. So next one we're gonna talk about Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf. So Mar- Marty watched this. This was one of my picks I really wanted because it's got It's the first time I've ever seen it. Four of my wow. you were in for a treat. Oh, she's like oh I, I have a feeling this is gonna be one of the ones where Ben and I are like, This is so great and Amanda's like it's so but anyways, <laughs> Marty came down to visit me in my cube, and he's just like, oh, my God, Elizabeth Tate. You know, and you'd seen the movie. Before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we just talked about the performances. Mm-hmm. This yeah. movie, this is, I mean. It is effed up, and they are abusive, and they are horrible to each other. It's so so it's supposed to be that way. Four of these actors. Oh. 
should have and could have won Oscars for their performance. Yeah, so Richard Burton. So, okay. So I, I'm, Elizabeth Taylor's great. I think Burton is better than her in this movie. Honestly, I don't know. My feeling is I think they're both equally great because sometimes I watch it and I'm like, well, you know, Elizabeth Taylor's the straw that's stirring this drink. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes... Yeah, they all are. They're all the stirring. The last time I was like, you know, it's really Richard Burton. And I and they were married in real life twice. Mm-hmm. They got married, got divorced, got married again. This is chemistry you can only get by <laughs> marrying and divorcing and then marrying someone again. Yeah. That's why it's so special. So I couldn't really put one above the other. I think it if I watch it next time I'd be like, Oh, it's Liz Taylor this time. Mm-hmm. Um the the younger couple. So the movie's about like two couples. <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton, he's a college professor. She's the daughter of the president of the university. Yeah. You never say where, but you get it's like some small college in New England or something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Movie starts. Um it's like two in the morning. It's like two in the morning, one or two in the morning. They get home from some function, right? Yep. Some you know, and they're both pretty drunk. They're already, already drunk. They're, they're, they're like already totally pretty drunk. And like abusive as all get out. Verbally abusive to each other. Oh, they're awful. Like, so, they're, they're so toxic. Terrible. He, um, she uh, informs Richard Burton that uh, they invited, they've got guests. Yes. And you figure if they, they would have just went to bed. But like, no, they don't. It's the young couple. He's the hot new young, he's biology. Mm-hmm. He keeps saying, "What does he keep miss?" Um, um his a uh, math, isn't it? Yeah, he keeps like Richard Burton keeps thinking he's like a math professor or history professor, but mm-hmm. he's actually biology. Um, and he's got young wife. They come over, just it just um, the way I've always <laughs> this movie, basically they just they're so toxic. Mm-hmm. Liz Taylor and Richard Burton as a couple. That they like just infect everyone around them. They're like a disease. Yeah. They're basically just trying to break this couple up. Like I was watching, it's like, are they trying to destroy their lives? It's not even like specifically that. It's just like they're just using them. They're to using fight them each other. to fight with each other. They're using they're the using young couples. They weapons weaponize the young couple. They weapon. Yeah, that's what they do. It's so awful. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's um Sandy Dennis and um uh, George, George Segal. Segal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um and and in this movie I think um Burton was nominated for best actor. They all were nominated. They were all nominated. Sandy Dennis and Elizabeth Taylor both won yep. Oscars. Yeah. So, so both actresses won their acting Oscars. Mm-hmm. The actors didn't. Mm-hmm. Um it just the reason why I've cuz I the performances are unbelievable. Like mm-hmm. this is Elizabeth Taylor's best performance. Mm-hmm. This Richard Burton's best performance. Mm-hmm. And that guy was nominated for Best Actor seven times and right. never won. I think his last time was for Equus. Equus. We looked it up. Yep. yep. And um, he was great in that one too, but not as great. But yeah. this was tops because yeah. the dialogue was so well written. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just, you got great dialogue, you get great actors, you let just let them cook. Yep. You know, yeah. that's why this whole podcast is like that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but it's a, it's a hard, can be a hard movie to watch because like, they just, it's nonstop. I didn't like, I don't like the abuse. I didn't like the verbal abuse, but like, again, I love it's it. a little too close at times. Yeah. Things that I'm just I, like, no, no, I just love the performances. Mm-hmm. The performances are unbelievable. And that's why I like the movie. Yeah. Like, it is hard to watch and, you know. And they really do sort of mess up this young they couple. Do. They do. 
they destroyed I'm honestly, him. Like when they left the bar, I'm like, is she gonna hit him? <laughs> is she gonna run him over? Because she just you don't know how far they're gonna go. No, you don't. Because she just left him basically like threw him out of the car and said get out took the car and just like all of a sudden they're like getting and then in the car when, and it's when like, richard what? burton finally gets back home she's upstairs with the husband oh, yeah. it's like the other one is like passed out she's she's in the car passed out in the car and and it's, it's you gonna try to sleep with her that's like what is you, don't know. you don't know and oh it's so stressful uh, and it and it, and i mean they had a time to- they've had a toxic marriage forever and yeah. it's all about one-upping uh, yeah. What they can do, and Burton comes up with the the ultimate thing. The so ultimate the thing, thing is like they're unable to have children, right? Couple, mm-hmm. and you get the sense that perhaps this was the thing that like turned their their marriage like ruined really it. toxic. They, yeah. They've got this inside thing where they've got an imaginary kid, and they talk mm-hmm. about it, and they like you know, mm-hmm. but they can never tell anyone else, and this is just kind of how they cope with um, not being able to have children themselves. Mm-hmm. And at the start of the movie, when they come over, Liz Taylor tells Sandy Dennis's character, Honey, the young wife, mm-hmm. um, about it. So she comes back and she's like, oh, she was telling about your kid and Richard Burton. And this is really where the movie turns. Like, right. they're already, like, really crappy. They're each other. each other. But this yeah. was, like, the line that yeah. was crossed. And the rest of the movie is like, you know. How can I get back at you for telling them this secret? Yep. Mm-hmm. And this then just what horrible. he does is, like. He, he he imaginary kills the imaginary kid. Yeah, I'm going to kill our child. Mm-hmm. And just the way when he talks about him, like, you know, the dialogue is so great, but the way Richard Byrne delivers it when he talks about, like, what about the little bugger and, you know, the little sprout? And, mm-hmm. like, you know, he makes up the story that, like, is a telegram came and, you know, our boy's not coming home for the summer. Ever. Ever. And Ever. He was killed and and she's just, like, at this point, losing it, crying, like, no, no. And he's just like, oh, yes, yes, yeah. Just, like, twisting the knife. Yeah. This is why. Because they're, they're, so, they're so toxic. <laughs> they're so toxic that anyone, they're, like, radioactive. Like, anyone that gets in their orbit is now infected. Right. And that's what happened to the young couple. Mm-hmm. You get them. Yeah. I don't so. think that young couple survived. No. Nope. I've always thought that. And that last scene where... Uh, where Burton starts singing Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And she's and like, she's I, like am. I am. Mm-hmm. So, so good. Yeah, because they know what they've done. Like, they're fully aware. They, they're they like, at the end, they're like on their porch and she says that line and they're just like looking out because now it's morning. This whole, this is another movie that happens. Yeah, like, real time. Like, like 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. 6, yeah. So this is like four hours. Mm-hmm. Four hours. Mm-hmm. All this chaos happens. I don't know what bar would be open at 4 a.m. in the morning. It was just some road house. Yeah. <laughs> I went to college in bar. <laughs> well, this was the 60s, too. Anyways, <laughs> just them looking out, like kind of like on their yard, their front yard, but it's almost like they're just like surveying the destruction that they mm-hmm. brought. It's in just like they're just looking out and looking just scorched earth. That's what they do. That's what they burn it all down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, burn it to the ground, like everything they touch. Nope. And it's so good. It's just it's unbelievable the the performance and you know it's uncomfortable. It's, it's supposed it's, to be. It's, I know it's to be uncomfortable. I have always wanted to play because I did acting. I've always wanted to play George in that movie. I would. I think I would be fantastic. I as don't a George. know you're. 
the, some of the people that you don't expect to take on a role like that are some of the best people. I, I yeah, yeah. Boy. <laughs> All right, one to five lose. This is also five lose. Let's say four. I didn't care for it because it was just I, so. Stressful. I think it's five lose. The 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 performances are. I mean, so fantastic. And this was like an AFI. On par with Catherine and Henry and on Golden <laughs> You know that's me. my intro. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. So there we go. We've, we've done Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and Amanda's Very Afraid of Virginia Woolf. possible <laughs> and I don't. See, and that's the thing. And if I can understand, you know, why you would this movie would make you definitely uncomfortable because and I have, it's really raw. And I have seen people like this and like know, know this and in real life that in the college setting. I know people like this. And the personal like, personal like Yeah. I don't terrible people. Yeah. Gotcha. So <laughs> what should we do next? All right. What we've do we have left? A doubt. We've got doubt let's do the madness of King George. What right. the madness of what what? What what? <laughs> Nigel Hawthorne. Nigel Hawthorne is so good in this movie. And and Helen Mirren is yeah. fantastic as well. This movie is so great. And what I love about this movie is like, you know, it's based on a true story. This actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this movie came out in '94. And I always think about like '94 was such a monster year for movies. '94 mm-hmm. is Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, right. Forrest Gump. Documentaries yet. Hoop Dreams came out in '94. Um, this movie, well, one of my favorite documentaries. It's the, the greatest. One day we'll so do good. documentaries and we'll just well, Hoop Dreams will be on it. Hoop Dreams will be on. Can we do a cult one too. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> so like, it's so great. Like Nigel Hawthorne carries the movie, mm-hmm. but you've got great supporting performances, especially like Ian Holm. He plays the doctor. So good. This movie is about um, King George. So, like, 1788, I think, takes place. Yeah. We've already won the Revolutionary War, mm-hmm. being America. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's under his skin. So. Yeah, he's talking about the colonies, and they have to remind him, well, they're calling themselves the United, United States, States now. Yeah. Um, King George goes crazy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that his the Prince of Wales, <laughs> the future King George IV, is just a piece of crap. Yep. He's useless. Sleeping with his, uh, uh, what was she? Catholic? He married a Catholic. Yep. Yeah. They without thought he was interested. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he can't legally get married without um, the permission. permission of, yeah. Right. And certainly not to a Catholic. Nope. No. Nope. Well, he, he would take him out of the succession. He could be king. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, King George, he starts to go crazy. He's got his son who wants to, like, get him out of the way so he can be named regent and then be king in name only. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got the political, you've got Thomas Pitt, who was the current prime minister at the time, the Tory prime minister. Mm-hmm. Um, James Fox was the opposition, the Whig party. These are all real people. This all happened. And um, the Tories are loyal to the government. They got to figure out like how to keep the king. They don't want the next king. They don't want the Prince of Wales. Well, he's a piece of crap. kind of like what's going on now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so... The performance is so great. Turns out that the king had porphyria, mm-hmm. which, you know, makes you pee blue. Or it's and, really like purple, but. Yeah. I love all the doctors that they have. Oh, they're them. just like terrible. Terrible. They, they're arguing like, oh, it's all about the stools. About, and, you know. We need to like suck it out and bring it here. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, again, but 
in their in their mind, that's how they fix things. One of my favorite scenes in this movie is where they're trying to install the Prince of Wales's regent, and he comes riding up in the in the carriage and steps out. Oh, and yeah, the, that's at the end. Yeah, right at the end, and the Prince Wales, Prince of Wales, like practically faints when he walks out, and and he's all together and everything like that. Is, yeah. Yeah. So basically. They've got these royal doctors, and they're idiots. Like, you got one who just wants to look at the king stool sample. You got one, and this is about the time when they were, like, bleeding people. Yeah, and using one of them was stuff. ulcering, putting yeah. ulcers on his back with heated cups. They don't know anything, yeah. right? That this is very, very pseudoscience. Um, Lady Pembroke, who is the Queen Charlotte, mm-hmm. Ellen Mears characters, that's her lady-in-waiting. Mm-hmm. She's like, hey... Um, I know this doctor. He goes to William or to to Pitt, mm-hmm. the prime minister. He, this is a real doctor, Ian Holm. He's like has a farm, and and his stuff is really like behavioral, right? Mm-hmm. Like anytime the king, and some of those scenes are brutal. Anytime yeah. the king acts mm-hmm. up, because he he's just like talking. Tied to a chair. Mm-hmm. He gets tied to a chair. Um, gagged. Gagged. Um, and he's not allowed to see the queen, so they're separated. But you they've know, been together how many years and how many kids? Fifteen kids. Yeah, they have a lot of kids. Um, yeah, they actually were like in a loving. They really were fond of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Ian Holm, just like you know, he just does lots of like talk therapy, basically, and you know, spending time outside. And he's not like doesn't have like whack pseudo mm-hmm. scientific theories and. Although tying people to chairs. No, I know, but like, but you know, that's how they treated mentally ill people. That's true. That's true. You know, up until very recently. So like, (laughs) this this is nothing. This was like progressive at the time. Okay. Yes. Um, you know, the king gets better at the end, better enough to like thwart off the thwart off the regent's thing. Yes. And he, and of course, you get the thing at the end where he went. He went mad off and on for the rest of his life. Yep. Mm-hmm. There was one time, I think he, I think it was 18, he finally, I think in 1811 when he finally gets totally crazy and never comes back from Okay. So, like 20 years after mm-hmm. this. Um, so his son ended up, becomes king. Uh, he's only. But he was sort of like Charles. He was the, he was the prince of well, Wales, was Wales much, and waiting for a very long time. He was, he was much worse than Charles. Yeah. He was not like, I mean, he was like a real, like Charles is like whatever. Because he didn't he's even kind care of, that his dad was sick. He's no, just yeah. like, I'm going to take over now. Yeah, exactly. Very mm-hmm. black stabby. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that carries this whole movie for me is Nigel Hawkins. Yeah. performance. He was nominated for best actor. Mm-hmm. Because of that best actor category that yeah. year. That 94 year was Tom Hanks one wins for right. Forrest Gump. John, John Travolta is nominated for Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Morgan Freeman's nominated for, for Shawshank. Nigel Hawthorne. Nigel Hawthorne. No, I can't remember who the fifth one was that year. Oh. But they were all. I mean, every single one of them. Morgan Freeman, if he had won, I would have been happy. If John Travolta had won, I would have been happy. Yeah. You know, I, I was a little disappointed, actually, that Tom Hanks won that year. Um, I, Forrest Gump was the movie it of was the, the movie year. It of was the movie of the year. Although, like, I still think it was the best movie of the year. Ever. No, but um, now I gotta look up who was the fifth. Um, Here we go. Hold on. The fifth uh, person. But in this movie, Nigel Hawthorne is it. It's, oh my god! It was Paul Newman for Nobody's Fool, which oh, also... Oh, yeah. Which also is great. Yeah. That was Paul Newman... 
I think that's the second to last Oscar. Yeah, because, because he, he ends up getting nominated. With didn't he already win for The Color of Money? And then he got yeah. Nobody's Fool. And and I'm sorry, but The Color of Money was one no, of those Henry that, Fonda. That's a Henry Fonda thing. Yeah. Except it wasn't like, he's fine in it, but it's yeah. just a sequel. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scorsese directed it. It's, it's actually like better. It's a sequel to The Hustler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. But he was better in Nobody's Fool, right? Oh, for sure. Like, he's better in lots of movies. Like, yeah. my favorite... My favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. I just love that we're going off on a Paul Newman. <laughs> my favorite Paul Newman movie, and one of my very favorite movies of all time. And I hopefully I would love to do a, a podcast about courtroom dramas. Mm. We could do it now. Verdict. Yeah. It's the verdict. So good. Also, Sydney Lumet. Um, I thought you were going to say the Sting for a second. No, the Sting is boring. The Sting is overrated. The Sting. The Sting is very... Oh, well, that's not going to be one we're forcing Amanda to watch then. Like, I haven't seen any of those ones. There's way better movies. But, yeah, not, but nobody's fool. This is one of the most stacked years mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. But Forrest Gump, like, that was the movie. Tom it Hanks. was. And now he went back to back. Because he won the year before. Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, great. Nigel Hawthorne, like... He's, he's fantastic. And... Helen Mirren is is really great, and I mean Ian Holm is fantastic. Oh, but the Rupert Everett plays the yeah, Prince of Wales. Wales uh, Rupert so Graves, who I is Greville, he's like the king's like aide. Mm-hmm. He was um, uh, what's his face, um, Inspector whatever from the new Sherlock Holmes. Oh, um, uh, uh, gosh, you know his yeah, I know. Um, yeah, and there was the guy. Um, uh, he was in Downton, the Butler. Oh yeah, it's it's got it's yeah. one of those British like, movies like, oh, that, that have all the British that people. Person, yeah. that person. It was like one of these British costume dramas that I love. British Lestrade. costume dramas. Yeah, Lestrade. Yeah, He's Detective Lestrade. Lestrade in uh, so, the Sherlock show. But Benny. yeah, um, you know, unfortunately, Nigel got nominated in a year where he didn't stand a chance. No. Very uh, worthy nomination. Yeah. But, uh, but he's kind of like fifth most deserving out of those five, maybe fourth. I fourth, dare say. I would. I, I not would, that he's. I mean, is great. Like it is great. Let me tell you, if you put this performance up against Henry, if this performance happened in 1981, it's on par with Henry Fonda's <laughs> on Golden Time. I just love it's it that everything is on uh, against Henry Fonda in that movie. Oh, <laughs> All right, so we've got one to five moves. Oh, oh. Mm. Four? I think it was really good. I enjoyed it. Four and a quarter loons. I would say four loons for this one. Yeah. You know, you notice that I'm actually rating everything above I know. Golden Pond, so I, that's okay. It's not gonna I'm being honest. I'm being honest. I'm being honest. Okay. All right. Um, next movie. So let's do Doubt or Henry. Let's save Doubt for last. Okay. Henry uh, V. Henry V. So Henry we need to, if we're doing stage play adaptations, mm-hmm. we're going to do one Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and there's so many. It's been every mm-hmm. one's been done so many times. Henry the Fifth was done before. Was it? Oh, tons of Olivier times. did Olivier it. Olivier did yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So I threw this out there as the Shakespeare because this is my favorite adaptation. Like mm-hmm. very faithful. Um, most adaptations of Henry the Fifth do have a few things from Henry the Fourth because mm-hmm. um, all the stuff with Falstaff, all that happens in Henry, Henry the Fourth. Yeah. Um, and so, but anyways, I love Kenneth Branagh in this. He directed this. He wrote it. He started it. He. This was a Kenneth Branagh show, basically. And he was nominated for best actor. He was nominated for best actor. Yes. Um, 
this is another one of those movies where like every British person mm-hmm. you know is in it. Emma Thompson's in it. Mm-hmm. Judy Dench. Judy Dench. Judy Dench. Christian Bale. Which I forgot about Christian Bale. I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, I pulled it up. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to need like a synopsis here. And so I'm like, oh. Yeah. Emma Thompson's in it. I'm like, sweet. Paul Schofield. And then I for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Love yeah. Emma Thompson. Paul Schofield is the French king. Which, funny enough, Paul Schofield is the reason Richard Burton did not win Best Actor for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Yeah, he won it that year for Man of All Seasons. Man of All Seasons. Yep. Um, but I just think like the performances are really good, and Kenneth Branagh's version of the St. Crispin's Day speech it's the best. Is, is the best I've ever seen. Yeah. So if you so. watch the Laurence Olivier version of this, and I really like the Laurence Olivier movies, like. You know, Richard III is really mm-hmm. great in Hamlet and all the ones he did. Mm-hmm. Um, this is his his thing Christmas Day speech doesn't hit like this one. No. This one, he actually sounds like he's at battle, like mm-hmm. right before battle. You know, they're outnumbered. This is a historical battle, the year 1415, Battle mm-hmm. of Agincourt. They're outnumbered, you know, like five to one. Outnumbered. It was, it was, they were, they were just, it was, it, and that's real life. Uh, the reason why the English won this battle in real life is because they had longbowmen and they were put them on the flanks and they got like the French infantry bunched up. Um, uh, so they pretty much slaughtered the French because yeah. <laughs> longbowmen. But you know the speech before battle, this is so good. Like the Saint Crispin's Day speech, like you know. Yeah, it's just um, it. I mean, I don't know. I I told. Then that I liked Much Ado About Nothing as a film adaptation of Shakespeare better than this. They're one. like such different. They movies. are. I, really, I guess I want a comedy as opposed yeah. to an historical drama. I think. I think if you, yeah, I. It's a different like genre of Shakespeare. Yeah. but so. it's also Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson in that one, and Emma Thompson is so good. Yeah. In that movie. But you know she's just French, and she's she ends up married to Henry, so you know she ends up married to Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. So in real life, this is where they fell in love and, yeah. and got married. But I was totally shocked because Judy Dench, I'd forgotten. I didn't even like check the cast out. I, I I mean I knew she was in it, but when I saw her, I was like, oh my god, that's Judy Dench, and then oh my god, that's yeah. Christian Bale. Oh my god, Christian Bale. And Christian Bale gets. It gets killed in it, but you know. <laughs> but it's 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 a really great adaptation. I mean, um, cinematically, it's gorgeous. All those battle loved, scenes. My favorite part was the what's his name? The guy at the beginning when he was walking through the movie set. Yeah, there, Jack the chorus. Yeah, yeah, I love walking through the movie set, and mm-hmm. then he opens the door. And it's yep. Yeah, yeah. He, he's in modern times. Like, he's the yeah. chorus of the movie, but he's wearing, like, modern clothing. He's just, yeah. like, the and narrator. He, just, he pops up, and he would give, this is what's going on, and then yeah. he'd go in. And it was really nice because he could move through the accent yep. way. It's perfect. That was a great I, mean, I love that. It's, that it's so good. I mean, it's so smart, like, as to, to for a stage-to-screen adaptation yep. to have that in there, where... It sort of pulls away the curtain and lets you see, okay, this is an actual play and it's not, you know, and then suddenly you're in it. But then you kind of always get this like stepping back and saying, here's what's happening. I think that's why I like this one the best. Mm-hmm. because I really like that device. Mm-hmm. That's, it's, yeah. And Derek Jacoby is, you know. I grew up, my parents were huge <laughs> Cats fans oh, and God, the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. So like I've known Derek Jacoby. So good. I mean, I'll, everybody in the movie is fantastic. It's yeah. a great movie. Um, 
it's okay. Let's do loons here. How many loons, Henry uh, V? Three. I'll go four loons. Um. Wow. I'm gonna go with um. Uh, I'll go three and a half loons with this one. Okay, that's fair. Three and a half loons. But that's just me. Well, and I know it's Shakespeare. So. All right. Our last one for this podcast is Doubt with Meryl Streep, Amy Adams, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Viola Davis. Viola Davis. This was her breakout performance. Yep. She got an Oscar nomination for this one. For like one scene. Yep. And she was so good in this. She's very good. So anyway, all right, guys. What do we think about Doubt? This was my first time seeing it. You hadn't seen it. Holy crap. David was like, what are you watching? Like, Doubt? It's like, what's going on? Like, I don't know that. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Um, Meryl Streep put on a great performance. Um, Has Meryl Streep never put on a yeah? Put it was the, it was the standard great Meryl yeah, Streep. It was yeah. really Amy Adams played a really young, naive yeah. nun. She was and so then she great. felt so mean, and then she got nice again. I'm just like, don't be mean. Don't, don't do that stereotypical <laughs> and, nun. And, no, that's the thing. It's like I I feel these nuns. I've known a lot of nuns. I'm sure you have too. And oh, it's like, she never went to Catholic school. Thank you. Oh. No, but like, there's nuns at church. Obviously, I didn't go to yeah. Catholic school. Well, my but... mom did, and I've heard horror stories. Oh yeah. Well, oh. Meryl Streep can be very frightening. Mm-hmm. She looks like she's like the perfect mother superior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She just is like she's not a Maggie Smith mother superior. Mm-hmm. She is like a terrifying mother she's superior. Like, that one that's going to take you rulers and just snap. Oh, this is like, you know, when she was walking, sister act, like, you know, if, like Maggie Smith's sister act is mm-hmm. like the, like, she's like the G- PG version of this. This yeah. is like full on. When she was walking up the church aisle with the pews and she's like tapping, the, like looking at the kids. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, she's scary. She's yeah. So scary. But, but also she's, um, uh, Streep is able to humanize her too, so that yep. you see them. Um, and and Philip Seymour Hoffman's fantastic in this movie as well. Um, you know, um, I, 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 you always want to like Philip Seymour Hoffman. I know. Mm-hmm. And which I think is a really brilliant thing about this movie because everybody likes Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah. and you see him in this movie where he plays a priest who, according to you know, Meryl Streep and everything that comes out at the end, he's been abusing children and just been moving from parish to parish. And then the way, and, but, which is a thing, like, us know, like, this happened in real yeah. life all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. So you're, like, predisposed. It's never explicitly said in the movie. Yeah. They never show anything. No. Meryl Streep, there's, like, a come-to-Jesus scene at the end. Yeah. Um, Father Flynn mm-hmm. and Meryl Streep, Sister Alicious, and where she just says like like she had been accusing him and like and she's been denying it and and and, and and they do such a good job of like is he really doing it? They so never actually. She never has any real evidence. It's all vibes. Mm-hmm. She's got bad vibes, mm-hmm. and you know. I love what she does to him. To she basically is like, I called your other, your past parishes and I've heard like stories from other people. And and then he says, what he says, you talked to Monsignor or whatever. And she was like, no, I talked to a nun. And that's where yep. he gets him. There's so much brilliant. Another movie with such great performance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and he's like, and she said, and he, that's all she says. And then she takes the phone and she says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to request a transfer. I want you to um, go on a some kind of um, leave. leave. Yeah. She's yeah. Not, and I want you to do that. And then she puts the phone in front of him. 
and walks out of the room. And he sits there. It's cold, man. Yeah. And he sits there and you're like, okay, What's he if he's doing? if he's lying and 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 uh he really has been doing this, he's gonna pick up that phone. Yeah. And if he isn't lying and he is innocent and he doesn't pick up that phone. And of course the next scene is him yeah. standing in front of church and saying goodbye to everybody. Yeah, she, you don't know though. She bluffed him and this was like a gambit she ran because like he could have just I mean he could have destroyed her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because like obviously, you know, in the patriarchal like mm -hmm. Catholic church, like the nuns don't have like the power that the priests do. Right. right? Like especially not back then. No. No, they were scary, but they were they didn't have yeah. the power. They had the power over like the kids, mm -hmm. like, but as far as like the priest, right? Nun died, mm -hmm. you know? yeah. and yeah, she just the yeah. Well, in that final scene between her and Amy Adams, where they're sitting there, and he's gone, and Amy Adams says, "You know, how did you know?" And like, you know, you got your proof, and he was, she was like, "No." I never did. And, and she's like, I doubt, I doubt. Yeah. yeah. And then she starts weeping and says, I have so much doubt. And, um, cause he, she's still not sure. Did he just ruin this career? Well, and then I think that she's sure that he did it. I think that her doubts come from the fact that she's put her life and invested her life in this church. And this church yeah. has just moved this priest, given him a, basically given him a promotion and put him in charge of another school. That's that's where her doubts come from. Is she's like questioning the church. Well, I think you know the title of the movie doubt. Like I think there's doubt. There's lots of doubts. Oh, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I tell you, Viola Davis in that one scene. Feel that. Um, oh my god. She's like, my son's gonna die. Like, yeah. you just need him yeah. here through the end of the year, or he's gonna die. And, she, and she's like, okay, if it's happening, fine. It's only until the end of the year. And I'm yeah. Like, and you're like, oh my god. But then you're like, if he goes home, like. Like his father would kill him. Kill him. Yeah, it's um, just that. Yeah. Oh, I feel so bad for the mm -hmm. kid. Like I said, every single movie, including this one, the performances are just fantastic. That's why I wanted to do this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is like out of all the all the ones I said at the beginning of the podcast. Out of all the ones we've done, these have the best to strongest performance. Yeah, because they're based on stage plays. Stage plays is like all performance. Mm -hmm. you know I mean? Yeah, you're not you're not relying on the background or the scenery effects, or the effects. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, yeah. so five, one to five loons oh, for doubts. Oh. Four. I'm gonna say four and a half loons. I'm gonna go four and a half loons too. So you notice I put uh, Marty, I've noticed. at the bottom of the list. Yeah, look, no, so um, I just want to point that out. <laughs> so okay, so um, there we go. Um, we there you have it. That's the word from Amanda Pierce uh, from the Teen Zone, Ben Sargent from the cataloging department, and myself on our favorite and maybe not so favorite silver screen adaptations of stage plays. But can't let you out of the nerd clubhouse just yet. We have to do one more thing. We have to talk about books that have been keeping us up at night, distracting us during the day. It's a little thing on the podcast we call Off the Shelf. So, guys, what have you been reading recently? We're on spring break last week. So All right. Yes. Happy, happy, happy books. Happy trashy books? Is that what you did? Happy yeah. trashy books. I read Tessa Bailey's new one, uh, Secretly Yours. It's about, um, she's a, the character goes, lives in, like, in Napa, essentially, in mm -hmm. the country. And she's a gardener, and she does all the landscaping, and she finds out her crush from like back in high school is back in town and gets herself to landscape the property, which is a winery. Okay. 
and then he secretly is checking her out from his window while typing his book. All right. So. Trashy romance. Trashy romance. I had it in like one way. night. My okay. mom's like, are you going to finish that tonight? I'm like, yeah, mom. I'm with you. It's like 200 pages. It's yeah. nothing. Okay. So what was it again? Uh, Secretly Yours by Tessa Bailey. Secretly Yours it's by Tessa Bailey. It's got a follow-up called Unfortunately Yours, which deals with the guy's sister. All right. In White Country again. Another trashy one I'll be reading. Another trashy book. Okay, Ben. So... Did you finish the uh, Oscar, Oscar Wars? Movie? Yeah, I want to talk about that. So, like, when we did our last podcast, I just started this book, The Oscar Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished it, and I cannot recommend this book. It goes, it it has a chapter on the Warren Beatty Moonlight stuff. Oh. It's got a whole thing on the um, Harvey Weinstein Shakespeare in Love 98. Mm-hmm. But, like, the Warren Beatty Moonlight fiasco... La La Land um, fiasco. Mm. Um, that is was so fascinating. He he like said everything that happened, and Warren Beatty is just like backstage, like they gave me the wrong thing, and it's just like so. I would say you have to read this book. I I have to because then we can talk about it. Absolutely, but like so good, can't recommend it enough. Oscar Wars, Michael Shulman. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, my book that I'm reading, because I've gone back and I've been watching old movies that I love, including The Wife with, um, Glenn Close. Have oh, you seen that one? Yeah, that was a few years ago. Right. They were, they were trying real hard to get her that Oscar. Everyone thought she was going to win that year and it ended up being Olivia, Olivia Coleman. Coleman for that. But, um, I watched it and I rewatched it. I mean, and, um, I love Glenn Close in that movie. She's so good. But I realized that it was based on a novel by Meg Wolitzer. Okay. Um, and so I went and I we had it here at Peter White. So I checked it out. And um, and it's a really great book. Um, and Meg Wolitzer, I'm, I'm going to have to check out more of her books. I've heard her name before, but I've never read anything by her. And this book is just fantastic. It was, it's a slim little book, like 200 pages. Took me like... Um, maybe one day to yes, read. Those are the those are good vacation yeah, books. Yeah, it was so good. I, I didn't even know it was based on a book. It's based on this book, and I, it, and actually, in the movie, her husband wins the Nobel Prize. Yeah. Um, in the book, he wins this fictitious award called the Helsinki Prize. So okay, Jonathan but, Price is really good in that. Movie so too. good, so good. That is a guy that's like underrated. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he was he was good in like um. Um, what's the movie with Charles Dickens where he plays Dickens' father? Christmas Carol. Oh, God. The man who invented Christmas. Oh, yeah. He was so good in that. The first thing I remember him really in was Brazil. Oh, yeah. Which I love. But John Bryce, he's in Glengarry Glen Ross, too. So um, the two popes the few years ago, him and Anthony Hopkins. Were, that was, that a was a fantastic movie. movie. And he was nominated for Best Actor. Yeah. yeah. He played the yeah. Kermit that one. Yeah, that was so good. And Anthony Hopkins was a great, the last pope. So. Right. Well, so there you go. Those are our choices. Um, and uh, some recommendations from Amanda and Ben and myself of books that you should pick up. Off the shelf. And we have come to the end of this play-to-movie roundtable of library nerds with words. I want to thank Amanda Pierce from the Teen Zone and Ben Sargent from the Cataloging Department for joining me today. But never fear, fellow library nerds, Ben and Amanda and I are planning out our next movie roundtable. And it's going to be movies that Amanda should see. So come back. But 
Before we get to that, come back next week when I will be joined by Ronnie Ferguson, co-founder of the Great Lakes Poetry Festival, to talk about all things poetry. Until that time, everyone, stay nerdy. Thank you for listening to Library Nerds with Words, Peter White Public Library's weekly podcast, giving you the word on what's cool at the library. The theme for the podcast is Happy Clappy by John Bartman, used courtesy of Pixabay. This episode was written and produced by Martin Ackett's and sponsored by Peter White Public Library. Until next week, pick up a good book, listen to some good music, watch a good movie, attend a great event, and remember, library nerds are the coolest people around.